Like you're walking through and you feel like you're a caged animal. And I mean, that only hyped me up. I'm like, hell yeah, yeah let's go. Say, like, yeah, and but, I was pushing people back on the other yeah, side. Yeah, that's, that's what we were doing. That's really <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> no, we were ready. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were ready. The Glory Days Podcast, Dreams and Nightmares with Joshua Perry and Evan Spencer. Hosted by Chris Caldwell. A quick reminder before we start the show. Here's how you can find us on social media. At Twitter, at Glory Days Pod. That's all one word, at Glory Days Pod. On Instagram, at Glory underscore Days underscore Pod. And on Facebook, at Glory Days Podcast. In the last episode, as we ended, you both were talking about getting back on the practice field the day after the Virginia Tech loss. Mm-hmm. Evan, what is practice like that week coming off of a loss? Well, I, I, I mean, for us, it was horrific. But, you know, in so many instances, like we had really hadn't experienced many of these types of practice weeks, but more or less like, um, you know, a loss with Coach Meyer. So, you know, I think with all of the past that we had had with him, you know, going 12 and 0 or whatever, but, uh, you know, just looking at the, the, the winter workouts and how miserable they were. And obviously we knew how, you know, physical our program was to begin with from um, off season to in season training. Um, you know, there was just so many question marks going in. So for us, it was kind of like, well, you know, we know that we have to be on our P's and Q's outside of, um, you know, everything else, but because, you know, we got a, for lack of a better term, a couple lunatics that are going to make sure that we're on our (laughs) shit 24 seven. Right. Uh, but to, you know, to, to say it politely, I mean, we put ourselves in that situation too. So, you know, from a senior's perspective, we had to, you know, ask ourselves some deep questions and, you know, really think, um, you know, about how important one-on-ones were going to be, or, you know, even before one-on-ones, how, what individual was going to look like, because, you know, if it was the offense or the receivers and something was contributing to the fact that we weren't being able to convert in the red zone, something was contributing to the fact that, um, you know, we weren't, um, able to protect like we wanted to, or pick up complex, um, um, blitzes and, and, and such. So it was just a lot of uncertainty, but, um, you know, a, a, a lot of anxiety for what was to come as well. Were, were the players self kind of motivated? You know, were you guys riding each other to kind of finish every drill? Or was that something from a culture perspective is built into the program and you guys know exactly what you're doing and you don't need anybody else to be riding you? Well, I think it's a little bit of both, right? And, and Josh can speak to this too, but like, you know, we always used to say like the, the culture kind of, you know, drives the program or drives the guys or drives the team forward. So it's it's about the, um, you know, the skeleton or the bones that support the uh, the team or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely pressed upon like, you know, four to six seconds or, you know, hand position and, and really trying to apply, um, you know, our little pre-practice routine where we're, you know, jamming each other right there and trying to fight for hand position before practice, before we even start stretching or something into like what that means on, uh, on, on kickoff return or what that means as an outside linebacker. Um, you know, so, you know, in, in those instances, you know, we, we, we kind of started to, you know, to unpack some details or whatever, but, um, you know, practice was just more about like, Hey, you know, we all have jobs here and we have to really focus in on, what our specific one is to helping the team win. And for us seniors, we were running out of time. So we didn't have much, uh, much else to kind of lean back on. So, so Joshua, we heard in a previous episode that urban doesn't exactly handle losing. Well, he's now lost three out of his last four games. 
anything unusual that you can remember about him this week in practice? Was he intense? Could you see the coaches where there's a stress on them or were they kind of business as usual? We get the best, you know, we get the team prepared and we're ready to go. Honestly, I think that week, um, once Urban Sauce come out that Sunday, uh, I think it probably changed the attitude that he had the rest of the week. Our response on Sunday, I think, surprised him. I think he was surprised at how intense we were and how committed we were to fixing what had gone wrong. Because I think Urban had been in locker rooms that had experienced um, some games where things didn't go well. And, uh, you know, those guys kind of maybe fizzled out a little bit or, or lost interest in the season. And our locker room was the opposite of that. Like, we were more invested at that point in winning and becoming better than we were before. And to Evan's point earlier, I think a lot of it became a self-motivation. And not not that the coaches didn't motivate us really well, because they did. Uh, I think our level of self-motivation was in the fact that, at least defensively, like, our coach was calling – basically the same coverage all the time we ran over cover for that was our base defense like (laughs) you know you know 60 70 percent of the snaps is what we were in and so it's like all right we know what luke is gonna call it it doesn't make a difference like we got to go out there and win the game like luke he's he's not playing in the game we're playing in the game and so could you say oh you know coach could have called this blitz or coach could have done this yes but could we have made that tackle or could i have read uh what the offense was doing a little bit better absolutely and i think that's kind of that's kind of where we were trending as a team. And I think it surprised our, maybe not our position coaches as much as maybe Coach Meyer and the intensity that we had as we yeah. were gearing up after that game. Hey, wait, wait till Kent State gets a, gets a hold of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the thing is like, you know, ultimately we were all thinking like, you know, God, God help the team that we have to play next. Yeah, we're going to beat the piss out of them. <laughs> right. So I just want to give a note to our listeners. For the next four games, due to time constraints, we're going to focus on a few highlights that occurred in the Kent State, Cincinnati, Maryland, and Rutgers games. Um, as you'll see, as we come outside of these four games and start talking about Penn State, a look back shows that Ohio State dominated these four opponents, scoring an average of 56 points a game and giving up a little less than 18 per contest. But once again, we're going to pick out some highlights. So it's 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 on to the Kent State game. And listen, it's a straight-up mauling. The number 22-ranked Buckeyes win 66 to nothing. And first of all, it sounds weird to say the eventual national champions are ranked number 22. Did you guys pay attention to the rankings that week, or was it like, we're going to let the chips fall as they may? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I, I, it was just unavoidable, man. I, I mean, I feel like at that point, it's a world of social media, the world of everything, right? I mean, you, you get out of your car and some, yeah, did you see that tweet? You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, we knew generally what the number was going to be. But again, like, I, I just think that there was this underlying narrative along the team that, like, you know, quiet the noise, really focus on what it is that we can do to get better today, um, you know, and, and, and offensively, right? We had the, the list was as long as you could think of about what we had to do better to, you know, figure out ways to convert, uh, to put up points and, and, and compete in competitive games. So, um, well, you guys certainly did that on the offensive side. I mean, yeah. JT throws for six touchdowns, which is tying an OSU record. Curtis Samuel rushes for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. And Michael Thomas has two TDs. Um, equally impressive is the defense, which I want to jump into Joshua about this, which holds Kent to 126 total yards. As a fan, I think the thing that stuck out to everybody was that 
true freshman Raquan McMillan has a huge game. He leads the team with seven tackles. He has three tackles for a loss and two sacks. Joshua, you're in that linebacker room with Raquan. Did you foresee this type of play so early in his career? Uh, yes. <laughs> and and <laughs> Raquan came in a grown man physically. Like he, he had a body that was physically ready for college football. But Raquan has always been different mentally. Um, he's he's one of the most mature people, most level-headed people that I know, period. And he came in like that. And he came in with the mentality that he was going to play early on, too. Um, and you got to give a ton of credit to Curtis Grant, who was our basically our heart and soul in that room, our leader within the linebacker room, because he put all of his goals and all of his aspirations aside to basically groom the guy who was coming in to take his job. And Curtis did that, um, you know, with a smile on his face and with energy and enthusiasm, just the way he did everything else. And it really made Curtis, first off, he's a strong leader already. It made him an even stronger leader. But second off, it made Curtis a way better player because, you know, there's a competitive drive that still exists, even though, um, you know, he's he's helping somebody else get ready to play. He, he doesn't want that guy to steal his reps. So both of them got a lot better throughout that process. But uh, Raekwon McMillan coming in and being a baller, one of the least surprising things, like just once you get to know the guy and you see the work ethic and the mentality and the attitude is just like, that was par for the course for him. So did, did you see any players come up to Curtis and say, Hey man, I mean, this is, I'm trying to understand the team dynamic because I believe you guys are all a brotherhood of trust here. Is, is anybody coming up to Curtis and saying, Hey man, that's, this is, this is a rough thing for you or Hey, congratulations on the way you're handling it. I mean, can you speak to him as a little bit as a, as a captain and a leader, how he handled that? Curtis is, he had every opportunity to leave Ohio State in the offseason mm-hmm. leading up to, right. to 2015, and he had considered it. So um, if anybody was stealing his reps or if, if it was going to be his role to, to groom the next guy, um, I think he fully understood what he was up against um, during, you know, just over the course of the offseason and bringing in a five-star guy and, and coaches talking about Raekwon being a guy who could play early and, and Curtis having his – his struggles, but um, it was never anything that we said. It was just always an understanding and a respect as a team that we knew that Curtis Grant was a real guy. Um, we knew that he was he was for the team. Like there are some guys, and we didn't have a lot, thankfully, where you kind of look, you watch your back because you're like this this motherfucker's a conniver. Like this guy, <laughs> yeah. uh, he you know he'll 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 stab you in the back if right. you turn around. Out to get his out to get his own twenty four seven. And and, and Kurt was not that hundred percent. I mean, like, never that guy. Talk about a dude that just been out there and, you know, been to war a couple of times and, right. and came back and, and figured out a way to, you know, put the bones back together and get out there and do it again. So, you know, that that comes with a lot of respect. And, you know, and also whether it was going to be him on the field, him taking mental reps or him having the next guy, you know, he was going to, you know, spread that tutelage. Right. He was going to try to make sure that, you know, hey, all our Buckeyes, we, you know, we, we got to make sure that, you know, we, we all are here to, to, to help the end objective. Let's hear about his leadership firsthand. And with that, we'll go to this week's captain's perspective with Curtis Grant. I always told him, I say, hey, hey, LeBron, when you if you come here, I got your back. You know, because when I first got to Ohio State, I didn't really have that big brother ordeal. You know, it was kind of like I had to figure it out on my own. Most of the people in my class had to. So, um, you know, man, I just I just wanted the best for Raekwon. And I wanted making him better and being there to be his big bro made me better, made me a better leader, better man. And also a better competitor um, because it was like I knew they, they wanted him to play over me 
But to make him ready so he could play, I had to compete, you know, because if I didn't compete, he would have got it easy, and he wouldn't have never known what it's like to, you know, go through like a little hardship to be able to compete for something, you know what I'm saying? So it was really good because, like I said, it ended up making me a better player, a better big brother, and then, man, shoot, when it came time to get in the game, he got it done and I got it done. And we're going to dive a little bit more into Curtis as we head towards Michigan State. Um, but to close on Kent, is is this a pissed off Ohio State team showing college football what a full strength Buckeye team can look like? Sixty six nothing. I don't think there was enough uh, time in that game for us to do that. But yeah. <laughs> with, with what they allotted us, yes, for sure. sure. You okay. Know, yeah. I mean, Offensively, we were thinking, hey, it, it's it's points every time that we touch the ball. Yep. Hopefully, it's seven every time we touch the ball. Yep. You know, and defensively, it was it was cover the holes that you know that, that, that you was guys it. put on the whiteboard. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and for us, like, you know, heck, we knew that we our, our chess pieces were going to be a little bit better, but you know, we also were uh, in a situation where coach wasn't going to shy on getting us reps either. So, yeah. um, you know, it was just really kind of a, a gut check or um, you know a, a manlyhood check, if you want to yeah. you know call it that, but. I think you said it, though, like offense score seven every time defense don't let them score a damn point like that was that was basically our mentality. And I I mean, coaches at that point were saying it like they usually don't say stuff like that, Um, but they were basically saying it. And as players, we were encouraging it too. right. Right. Like we, we, I mean, we, we were we living wanted into that. It. Shit. Yeah. that that's yeah. sweet. Like, you know, come yeah. on, pitch. You know, uh, yeah. uh, shut out. Whatever, pitch a shutout. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah, get but, the uh, ball back. You, like, <laughs> yeah. Offense, let's yeah. score more points. Like, get yeah. the ball back so 100%. those guys can take it back down. Like, Mike that was got our one last possession, so I want yeah. one clearly. Yeah. And, you know, Zeke's next. Curtis Samuel's next. Curtis Samuel went off that game too. Yeah. So yeah, the emergence of another Curtis. There you go. But um, you know, I don't know. Games like that are fun too to to help you reset and have a fresher mind going into the week. Uh, well, to come next for sure. Well, as we go into these next ones, you guys pretty much roll offensively and defensively over the next three opponents. But after blowing up Kent, you guys roll into a bye week. It's pretty terrible timing as you just destroyed your opponent following the loss to Virginia Tech. What are your instructions from the coaches during that bye week? Are you guys getting together and watching football? What What are you doing when you're not playing on Saturday? practicing uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the rest of the week yeah, they, it's, you know it's grind time man it you is know, all, all that all that changes is the fact that coach knows that we're not going to have an event on saturday that's yeah. going to tear our bodies apart so in his sure. mind he's like mickey we got him man yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're gonna really tune this thing up on these guys uh, well but, you it, know especially kind of needed it so yeah that's you know, what it is I say especially early in the season like that like we well shoot when was it was it 2012 or 2013 when we had like the the week 10 by week and we were still grinding because coach didn't like how oh, we were playing yeah uh, but i think that was 13 yeah because our yeah. defense was ass but yeah um, <laughs> we had in, a lot of problems <laughs> yeah we we had i mean you know you play a few games and then all right like here's break it coach is like ah we there's no break like right. we sucked in in our in our home opener like this is really early on in the year and so mm-hmm. it's you know monday tuesday wednesday thursday and then you, if you if you can get out of town Friday Saturday go see your family, go do so. If not, stay in town, stay out of trouble. Sure. Now, Evan, you said after the Virginia Tech game, some people came over to your place. Is there a favorite <laughs> spot that you know, say you're Devin Bogard and you want to go meet up with some teammates <laughs> and some of your buddies? <laughs> you got a Where, Devin go- Bogard, <laughs> Bogard story. Yeah. Yeah, well, oh well, hey, hey please give us the we'll, Devin we'll, Bogard we'll, story. We'll come there. We'll come there when okay. the time's right. Continue okay. setting up. Um, so. <laughs> Where do I go on a Saturday night if I want to see some Buckeye players? (laughs) 
you know, run into them. You know, yeah, see, yeah, you'll, you'll see a couple sites is what you'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll, that'll be the politically correct way to say it. Well, well uh, where was your spot? Man, uh, the infamous. Rest in peace because you are a legend. R.I.P. We wish you could come back. I think they tried to come back. It just wasn't the same. It wasn't. But Charlie Bear. Um, okay. to, to everybody that's been on campus when it was here, is in the gateway, everybody will remember it. It was nuts. It was a shit show. I mean, it was a big place, a whole bunch of bars and, you know, or, or multiple bars in it, in, in this own or in its own, um, kind of arena little deal. So you could go up and kind of claim an area or claim this area, depending on how many people you came in with. So, you know, we were deep <laughs> so, so <laughs> all did, the time. Be, because Buckeye players are celebrities in the town of Columbus, do the owners or any areas, do they give you a special kind of roped off area? Because again, you're going to have people coming up to you all the time. You might even have some people that may want to bow up and say, hey, I'm going to take on an Ohio State football player. <laughs> well, how do they well, separate yeah, I, you guys? You get, you get that. But uh, I, I just think it's... <laughs> Not so much of they have this area and it's like roped off and, you know, those are the dudes kind of thing. But it's yeah. just like, you know, the nonverbal, right? Like, hey, we yeah. always go in that area. It's always us and some guys. We got dudes leaving straight from the uh, uh, the stadium in their, in their like jumpsuit. Get in up their, still from, in their warm ups through like six hours earlier, you know, <laughs> throw the bag over the bar, kind of go get a drink. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, but like it's just a lot of nonverbals. It was just a place that we all chilled and hung out and, you sure. know. You knew where our spot was. <laughs> so we, we staked our claim is, yeah, is what happened. Say, yeah. So go. I don't know if you can say it on the podcast or not, but you have your, <laughs> you have your team uh, maybe, leaders. Maybe. Do you have like somebody who likes to lead, you know, Hey, having a good time. The, that, that person you look around and say, Hey, if he's here, we're going to be having a good time. Is there, is there anybody it, there it, that it was, steps out was, other than yourself? It was <laughs> you always Jeff? guys that, and I, I wasn't a guy who went out a ton, but if I was going out there, there were a few guys on the team where, where I would just, I would I would hit them with uh, streets or sheets. So you know if if, if it's sheets, yeah. you know they're telling you like nothing's popping off. You just stay home, go to sleep. If they say streets, they're telling you, hey, you know the, the streets are popping. Like we, we're out tonight. And streets, then you and then you what? ask them what's the move, and then they tell you exactly where to show up. And it was it, you know it was like three guys that really had the pulse of campus. You know, especially after a game, and it was always the best. Where you played a noon game, you were out of the stadium, like mm -hmm. ready to go by four o'clock, and you could just start going. And you know, like we we would be in the facility Sunday, like what treatment start around noon, so you had yeah. plenty of time I mean, to exactly. recover. So we were you know, in the facility was, right away. Yeah, I mean, it was it was cool. Well, you yeah. guys just named our next podcast "Streets or Sheets." Yeah, that's <laughs> um, Listen, I was in them streets uh, a lot of the times. I'll just be honest with you. Too much streets, too little sheets. Um, <laughs> all right, so you guys finish up your bye week. Hopefully you tip the bar staff at Charlie Bear well, and Cincinnati comes to town. This UC team ended up being pretty good. Um, they finished 9-4, and four, tied for first place in the American, and they lost to Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl. Um, but OSU wins the game against UC 50-28. to 28. It's a close game until midway through the third quarter. The Bucks are up 36-28 before your offense scores three straight touchdowns to put this game out of reach. So two things also stand out about this game. First of all, Ezekiel Elliott has a breakout game. He runs for 182 and a touchdown. We haven't talked much about Zeke yet, and I'm sure we will dive into him during those last four games where he has an unbelievable stretch. But what kind of player was Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, what do we not know about him as Buckeye fans? 
um, at, at this point that he was, uh, um, I don't know, maybe like a 200 pound hurdler when he first got there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, you know, once Zeke started, you know, obviously taking his stage and now he's a hell of a running back. Uh, let, let's remember he came in as like, you know, kind of a little skinny, super fast little dude that was like kind of figuring it out. Uh, great personality, always laughing, smiling the whole nine yards. Uh, but, you know, games like that was when you were able to really see like how um, how good he was at being able to combine his athleticism like with power uh, where needed or, um, you know, just to, you know, throw, throw a little swing out in the flat and, you know, watch Zeke grab one one-handed or do a spin on somebody and like, oh, damn, come on, we, yeah. we got that guy running back? That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it's just fun to watch, a, you know, an athlete mature and then obviously come into his own. I'll say this about Ezekiel, too, is Zeke was one of the best practice players that we had. Yeah. Um, he, he took every practice rep as hard as he could. Um, and, and, I mean, there are a lot of guys who, like, obviously practice isn't as fun as playing in the game. So, like, there are a lot of guys who are trying to, like, find a way to, like, do the least amount of effort possible but it still shows up on tape like they're giving good effort during practice Mm -hmm. and Ezekiel was a guy who would like he would finish blocks he would finish runs physically during practice and that's why he looks so good during the games the second thing that kind of stands out a great friend of the show assistant strength coach Anthony Schlegel a fan ran onto the field and was absolutely destroyed by Anthony Schlegel and fans who are listening can did Google. he give you those words to say absolutely destroyed because that sounds pretty fitting he did I'm telling you <laughs> fans listening can Google Anthony Schlegel body slam and see what we're talking about um, do you Attack guys rem- <laughs> I want to know how he graded out on that how, uh, do you guys remember seeing this at all seeing uh, him body I slam that no. I, I'm pretty sure I was in, in playing on that play Okay. And like I took off because I thought like we were about to snap the ball or whatever. And I look up and the defense isn't moving anywhere. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? And I turn around and cut like the very end of it. But then, you know, crowd goes wild. It's hilarious. We're all laughing our asses off, including the defense, mind you. <laughs> so. well, well, Joshua, you said, you know, the, the linebackers can, you know, get a little chippy sometimes. What are you guys saying to Anthony Schlegel the next time you see him in your oh, linebacking man, core? No. That was awesome. I mean, it, you know, it's like Schlegel was in his natural element at that he point, was, you know, just was. like body slamming a dude. Yeah. Um, and and I, like to this day, he's still signing autographs with that photo of him body slamming a kid. Yep. Like it, that, yeah. it's almost it's like a he legendary be, moment. It's almost Schlegel's like he should awesome. be in WWE. Yeah, um, he, 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 he's, he's got the one. perfect resume. Yeah, he does. But the moral of the story to our listeners, don't get drunk and run on the field towards the strength coach. I mean, yeah. run yeah. towards Especially the kicker. Run towards the kicker. Yeah, crazy dudes. Yeah, exactly. Bad ball. So now the Big Ten season is upon us, and you guys are up to number 20 in the polls. You travel to face Maryland for the first time as they recently switched from the ACC. Uh, early in the week, though, Michael Thomas is officially listed as the starter. And I may be wrong, but I believe this was for the first time. Uh, a guy considered best in the NFL. Why did it take so long for him to crack the starting lineup? Well, I mean, we had a lot of guys in that room sure. um, with a scheme that was going to rotate them around a lot. So, you know, I think with with Mike, you know, being able to you know solidify an X position, and you know, at this point, he he had already cribbed a. Um, a slant against Virginia Tech, actually. So you starting to put on film that like, hey, you know, my yak yards are impressive here. Let's let's get the ball and I can win against one on one coverage, which is what you want out of an X. So 
um, you know, offensively, it started to become a no brainer. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's let's try to get him out there. Let's try to get some one on ones and see if we can take advantage of it. But, um, you know, more than anything, I, I don't I don't think much was holding him back outside of his own development. Right. Okay. I mean, like, you know, he was always a great kid, you know, coming in. He had incredible talent, you know, great hands and really, you know, uh, like Coach Mix said, had the right give a shit factor. Um, you know, and, and, and from there you just surround yourself with some guys and, you know, you start learning about releases and, you know, how to use what you wanted to do, um, dunking on somebody in the red zone and, you know, in the game, right. And then you just start finding your own, um, you know, personality on the field. And I think Mike was able to do that, uh, really well. And, you know, that's part of the reason why he got, um, if not all of the reason why he got, um, that starting job, uh, that day. So. Prior to an NFL game, I think it was last year on NBC, they did an interview with Mike, and he was quoted mm-hmm. as saying about his time at Ohio State, I miss everything about it. My coaches, my teammates, the Friday dinners, the best Friday practices, going against great players and getting in fights in practice, but still going to war with them on Saturdays. Yeah. I miss everything about it. You know what sticks out to me there is obviously he's going against great players, but there were fights in practice. <laughs> yeah. Limited. Is that a question? <laughs> of course, limited. What, what? Give me an example of like who would be Mike Thomas's nemesis on defense or Eli Apple? Yeah, I'm Eli, say, Apple? Eli yeah. Apple for yeah. sure. No, Eli, I mean, Eli's getting his ass beat in one on one. It was like um, you know. <laughs> Did it boil over maybe a couple times? Yeah, sure. But like it was yeah. always kind of like a constant, right? Like, you know, we came out at practice like, oh, Eli, mm-hmm. we got one on ones mm-hmm. in here and like two period. You know what I mean? So like, you know, there was a lot of that going on. And, you know, definitely Mike was one to live it up, too. But, um, you know, I think what he's talking about, too, is just like the fact that like, hey, you know, I, I can go down and we'll do red zone one on one, you know, and and Eli and I will almost get into a fight and or, you know, maybe get into a fight while, while we're trying to compete for the football. But at the end of the day, you know, what what better way to resemble what um, third down in the red zone is going to look like in second overtime against Penn State? Um, you know, so I, I think Mike's talking about just like, hey, this is a brotherhood and, you know, we know that we're all going to get better. We know that we're all here to, you know, try to play ball. But at the end of the day, like, you know, my dudes got my back and I, and, and I got theirs. And, you know, if we're practicing like this, shit, yeah. we go play whoever. Good. Mike was talking about dunking on Eli and then mushing him in the face afterwards is what he was really <laughs> well, talking I, that's about. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that, was, that was Mike's go-to is to dunk on somebody <laughs> and then mush him. That's where, well, most of this came in red zone 101 because, yeah. you know, this is where we're just like, hey, you know, for, hey forget the route. Check back, check back. Yeah. yeah. No, so I was about to say, we did red zone seven on sevens. I remember watching those too. Bobby going over my head and I'm like, on ooh. I loved red zone seven on seven because that means we didn't have to run any inside nines. It's just a deep take off the top coverage so I, I get it you know you get you guys are a team but can you speak to and maybe we can keep this or cut it out what, what was the worst fight you saw in practice you don't have to name names but was there a certain worst scenario where coaches had to get involved practice. pulling people off i mean we uh, had a pretty strict I mean, policy I'm sure there about was some in like fighting inside, though. though no right no no inside inside we kept it pretty tame honestly because that that is a drill like we were our coaches were like tempo police 100% on inside drill because that is one drill that is it's very physical to begin with and so it can get contentious and we just we you know like our coaches were always stay up stay up you know tempo tempo whatever 
Um, what is inside uh, the, drill? It's so it's it's basically just um, the D line linebackers, um, tight ends, O line, quarterback, running back, and it's inside okay. runs. And and that's what we're we're working. We're fitting inside runs as a linebacker. You know, it's coming downhill. You're you're taking on an offensive lineman or whatever the deal is, a fullback, whatever. Um, and it's just physical. It's tough. Um, but I think our coaching staff did a pretty good job too, because we had a pretty like strict policy about fighting, because Urban was always like, you know, I had a guy at Florida who broke his hand throwing a punch during practice. Sure. And so like you know like we would get hemmed up and like guys would be yoking each other and shit, but it was really never like you know, like take the gloves off, throw in haymakers type fights oh, during yeah. practice. None of that. None yeah. of that. Okay. So in the game, uh, the Buckeyes score on four of their first five drives and were never seriously challenged. The final score, OSU wins 52 to 24. Before we carry on, a quick word to potential advertisers. We're looking to get your spot in our show. Glory Days podcast can help you reach fans that want what you're selling. And not just Ohio State fans, but college football fans around the country. That's right. And there's a variety of ways that you guys can advertise with us. Just ask and we'll help you find what you need. And look, if you don't know what you want to do, we can even help you create your own commercial. If you'd like to become a Glory Days partner, drop us a line at info at glorydays.media. That's info at glorydays.media. So you guys get another bye week, whereas some may scoff at two bye weeks in four games. I'm sure the bartenders at Charlie Bears in Columbus are thankful for the business. Exactly. Thankful for the business. But during that bye week, college football is actually going crazy. Um, Five out of the top eight teams lose that week, including a future opponent in number two, Oregon. They lose to Arizona. And Urban at the time decides to have what he calls a state of the college football union conversation with the team. And here's how he described the discussion with the team. And bear with me, I have two quotes, and it's not because I want to hear myself talk. Um, Here's what he said. When you look at it, everything's wide open. College football is pretty open this year, so we address it and we move on. I don't think these kids care. I think, I'm hoping, that they just want to get better. Then he, following the next week, he goes on the SVP and Rosillo show and says... The talk of Ohio State being left out of the national picture motivates his team. He says, I throw that at the team once in a while. So he says in one instance, I don't think these kids care about what's going on in college football. And then he throws the rankings at you in another discussion. What, what's he doing here sending two different messages? Did you see that a lot with Coach Meyer or was this part yeah. of the course? I mean, we did, but I think... I- I think it's important to pay attention to the timing of that too, because the first one was more uh, maybe one could see it as a message to the team, mm-hmm. right? Hey, uh, w- focus on doing your job. Because shit, Josh, how many times do we say do your job, right? You know, hey, hell, if I if I steal the edge on this run, maybe if the rest of the ten guys do their job, Zeke pops to my right, right? Right. But, um, you know, I think that um, you know his ability to kind of set the message for us was his first. Um, was his first uh, uh, tactic. And and then the next was just like, you know, maybe after he saw it in practice, after he had already had the chance to talk with the leaders, right. You know, develop the the narrative or whatever, you know, let's, let's see what these guys can handle. Right. Sure. And then, you know, he started ramping up that kind of narrative in the, in the media. And then, you know, before you have it, Hey, let me make sure that my guys are, you know, at least being considered at the end of the thing was, um, you know, kind of his, uh, 
his end point, I guess. So it definitely I'll, worked. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in with this real quick. So, like, I think the whole point of, like, the, the State of the Union was because we weren't supposed to be consuming all of the rankings and stuff. But we, I remember going up to eat training table and the TVs would be tuned to ESPN <laughs> and the ranking show while we were eating. So, of course, we're all tuned into it. Um, and, and Urban, like, he, you know, he iterated to us just how important it was to just stay the course and keep holding on. But every once in a while, he would be like, I don't know if you watched that game from Saturday, but they got those guys ranked above us. Right. Like right. that, and that was really how he did it. It was like, that was what he would toss out is he was like, he's like, I don't know if you watch that horse shit that I saw Saturday, but they say <laughs> those guys are better than us. And like, yeah. that would just be the little bit of motivation that would keep us going. Mm-hmm. So the coaches are talking to you about games that are happening outside of your oh, world. Yeah. So you're knowing yeah. when, when Michigan loses to Rutgers, um, yeah. You're yeah. hearing that from the coaches, okay? Right. I mean, like you know, at, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's time for war is what we listen to. When we play Michigan or whatever. They can only play videos like that so much on sure. the TVs at the Woody. Um, you know, how when we go eat, we want to go watch something that's current, and right. you, know, you pop it on, it's just unavoidable. Yeah. Well, and then I think the the other thing for us too is like, as players, we are pretty in tune. Like we know a lot of the guys around college football because you know we're recruited with a lot of these guys, and so like you know we're we're keeping up with that stuff but like when when coach would talk about a certain team looking bad you would just kind of go through mentally and be like okay I know this guy I know I'm a better linebacker than that guy like I know that defense is ass or scheme sucks like Mm -hmm. that was kind of the progression for me and that was a comparison that I would always make sure so speaking of Rutgers the welcome to the Big Ten bludgeoning tour continues as you (laughs) welcome another newcomer in Rutgers to town you guys move up to number 13 in the polls And in this game, the offense rolls up 585 yards, 31 first downs, and score just about every time they have the ball. And the Mm. good guys win 56-17. The defense scores again. This is becoming a thing. When Eli (laughs) Apple has a fumble recovery for a TD. So I want to ask Joshua, you know, is the defense challenging each other to score touchdowns? And is there any trash talking going on from the defense to the offense when the defense for two straight weeks scores touchdowns? Like, you guys need us to do your job for you or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was never any of that because, okay. I mean, they they had a handle on the job. So, sure, it was sure, gonna, <laughs> sure, sure. But, uh, Opportunity to trash talk, that's I, all I'm oh, saying. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. No, I think, well, defensively, uh, I think guys are starting to realize how many potential draft picks we would have over the next few years. And so, like, you know, it was giving us a little bit more confidence, like, hey, we can really do this thing. And we were starting to hit our stride in the new scheme and really feel comfortable from that standpoint. And so, uh, especially against, like, you know, Rutgers, who you're supposed to put them in a dumpster. You mm-hmm. know, like, that was, for for us, we had to look good. Like, those are the opportunities where, like, I mean, you, you just you can't look fucked up. If you do, then people start to question how good of a team you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. On the offensive side, JT throws for three touchdowns. He runs for two more. Nick Vanette catches two touchdown passes. But I think the catch of the game belongs to Mr. Evan Spencer. He has a beautiful one-handed touchdown catch. And if you want to go on YouTube, just put in Evan Spencer Rutgers. <laughs> Evan, I know that, you know, this is obviously a highlight, but you had a story when we were off air talking about how Urban kind of lit you up maybe in the series before. You want to tell us a little bit about that? 
I guess. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> no. So what happened Not if you was, don't want you know, to. no, no, I will. <laughs> I will. The, the game's progressing. We're, you know, obviously succeeding on offense, but you know, um, you know, we're, we're also succeeding on offense, you know, want to get the ball, want to make the play, et cetera. So we get into the red zone um, and I don't remember which quarter it was, but you know, the possession before that play exactly, uh, you know, we ran these option routes and again, I could play all the positions so they had me in slot and playing H. And I had this linebacker, but again, we're in the red zone. So the linebacker's not going to take a drop. So I'm, you know, and Coach Meyer's really adamant about me getting my depth and pushing it all the way in the linebacker, <laughs> stemming it in there, even though I don't need to stem it at him because, you know, I'm good, right? So anyways, I, I, I run right at him. Linebacker holds me. I'm trying to get a flag. Don't get it. Ball's over my right shoulder. It goes up incomplete. Get to the sideline. Coach Myers looks at me. You can't get open on a fucking Mike linebacker. Da, 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 da. So I am irate right because i mean at the end of the day he's he sat there during the game and was telling us how to run these option routes so i did and i ran it right at him dude hold me whatever so next possession i think like eli or somebody you know we get a or we get a turnover we get the ball back in the red zone and i am hot like seeing red hot and we get down there and uh we had a play that we had um practiced and i didn't know if we were going to call it but it was kind of just like a stutter and then uh take a seam route and, you know, we, we called it JT threw one up there real high. And then, you know, I, it was up there long enough to where I could kind of look at it and think, and, you know, obviously two hands would have probably worked had I done it, but I was like, you know what, <laughs> maybe sending a message or making a statement might be worthwhile. <laughs> and, you know, stuck one up there, snatched it, got up and like, you'll see in my celebration, like, you know, I, I fist pump super hard and I just like start stomping and marching all the way to the <laughs> sideline and I'm like beelining right at Coach Meyer and he's like walking the other direction the whole nine yards. And, and the funny thing is, is, you know, it ends up, you know, the next day we're stretching. He comes like knocks me over while I'm stretching or whatever. He goes, hey, you still mad at me or something like that? Uh, <laughs> so, oh, God. We, you know, we, we made up a coach plays like those little stupid games like that with people. So yeah. I was going to say, know. how long is his memory? I mean, you score a touchdown after that. Oh, so, right. I mean, exactly. Like yeah. I, everybody around me is excited. Jeff's jumping up. Jalen like dunks on me the whole nine yards. <laughs> you know, I, I am pissed. Like I'm literally like probably like fuck this. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I just literally start beelining for him. He just turns around and probably pulls his mic down, and acts like he's talking to somebody so, or whatever. Ev, um, what what yard line do you do you imagine you guys were at when you ran that the first play where the, the linebacker one? was holding you? Yeah. Inside the ten, bro. Okay, so this is this is the uh, the coaching point for inside the ten yard line yeah. like that is they'll they'll tell the linebacker, um, you know, like wherever you align, you can only drop like two yards. Thank you. Or if you're if you're if you're aligned, you know, if the ball is five yards away from the end zone and you're aligned on the goal line like five yards off, you can't back up. Yeah. And so like the coaching point was stupid. It's but ridiculous. This is the thing Urban did though is like on special teams he would do it all the time is he would tell a guy to like you know cut down your alignment or do this or use this technique and it was something other than what our like standard default alignment or technique would be and then you would come off the field and he'd be like what the fuck was that who told you to do that and he'd be like coach now you're not gonna do this because you literally just told me what to do and then like we would pull up at tape on on sunday and he'd be like he's like He's like, yeah, I told you to do this, so that's my fault. It's like, well, you could have remembered that during the game, buddy. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you what, he's got to, he's got to motivate you guys somehow. Fifty-six goodness points, gracious. my goodness. With the benefit of hindsight, here is the season records for the teams you guys just beat. So Kent, obviously the sacrificial lamb, they finished two and nine, 
But as discussed, Cincinnati finishes 9-4 and four and ties for the conference championship. Maryland, in their first season in the Big Ten, finishes 7-6. and six. They play in a bowl game against Stanford. And Rutgers finishes 8-5. and five. They play in a bowl game against North Carolina. But when you hear some of the quotes of the players after the game against Rutgers, I'll give you one for Darren Lee. He says, I mean, it feels good, but we're never satisfied. I was just talking to some of our guys down there, and we just beat this team pretty badly, and it almost feels like a loss. Is this the culture at work at Ohio State where you're not satisfied when you win 56 to 17? Hmm. I mean, yeah. We, I would say that we were we weren't satisfied because we felt like we had a long way to go. Sure. Um, and now for me, and Darren's my guy. Darren is the the king of hyperbole outside of Urban Meyer. <laughs> it didn't feel like a loss. You know, like it felt like you won a game, but it definitely felt like there was like. It's like drinking diet soda where you're like, damn, this I mean, this this almost tastes right, but it just ain't there. You know, <laughs> like it, it was right. it, it was it was yeah. eating a boneless wing. It just it wasn't the same. Well, Darren Lee Good should point. have been getting ready for Charlie Bears instead of talking <laughs> to the press after. Uh, well, turning our attention to preparing for the atmosphere at Penn State. And I think anybody, any Buckeye fan that has watched this game on TV knows that it's 106,000 fans. It's the second largest stadium in college football and the fourth largest stadium in the entire world. Penn State fans are doing their traditional whiteout when Ohio State comes to town. And OSU as a freshman quarterback and a very young team. How are you guys preparing to deal with that type of atmosphere and noise prior to heading to state college are you doing anything different in practice what is happening that week to prepare you just for the atmosphere you're going to run into yeah well i mean yeah again we play ball at a big time university right so sure we got two turf fields three or four you know two we'll call it two grass fields and and, and all of them have these huge um um, speaker systems, right? Whether it's like we're, we're we're running, we're playing music on them, but especially in games like this, it's just piped in crowd noise. So, you know, from practice one when it's bloody Tuesdays or whatever you call them, all the way to hell, we probably did it in uh, um, you know our uh, our perfect practice Fridays or whatever, walking through all of our, our no, we our did game plan for, for some of those games, we did yeah mm-hmm. on Fridays. So start to finish for the, throughout the week, you know, we're we're thinking through all of that just kind of deafening noise. Uh, cause it, you're going to get it right. So then you get there and it's just a little bit of, Hey, I've, I've thought under this environment already. Hopefully while I get out here and the bullets are flying, I can um, still do my job and support my guys. That shit used to piss us off though on defense when, when we would be on the road and it'd be so loud, uh, when you guys were practicing and especially if we were like <laughs> practicing on the indoor, because like it was quiet for yeah. us cause the offense <laughs> had the ball and you know, yeah. like it's a home crowd. And so we're sitting there trying to communicate during practice, screaming at each other and stuff. And our coaches are all <laughs> flustered and yeah. Oh man. And then it's, it's we, I feel like we, we never did the crowd noise thing when for, for defense, you know, for yeah. our, for our big games, you know, like we never That's simulated. Yeah. It's, we always catered to the offense, man. Well, Urban is an offensive coach. You know, he did coach receivers. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, atmosphere wasn't the only thing you guys had to overcome. There is a report that Penn State fans tried to wake you guys at four in the morning with air horns outside your hotel. Either one of you remember this at all? Uh, Josh, do you? So this is what I remember about traveling to Penn State is it was in the middle of nowhere. Long bus ride once we got there. 
Um, the only place that we could stay that had a conference center was a motel. Um, so it was outdoor hallways, like metal doors, like legit motel, like, you know, put the quarter in the, in the thing next to the bed and it'll start vibrating type situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but the fans were always out there and, and I'm a heavy sleeper, so I wasn't going to be, um, disturbed by any type of air horns, but like they, them little weirdos, they'd be pulling up with RVs and everything, just waiting just right. all night long, just waiting uh, night and on, on into the day too. Cause they're yes. down there tailgating. Like. You know, I, I remember, you know, one of the times we got out of our meeting early and is when we were out there playing, you know, again, receivers, we, we clown pretty much the entire time, whether it's like in between meetings or during meetings, whatever the hell it is. But anyways, we got out early, went to the cafeteria, got a whole bunch of the grapes from the cafeteria, wherever we were eating or whatever, and started like because there was like this little um, awning to where, you, you know, cement block can't see it. But then over was, was like your armrest. And then on the other side were our doors into the motel. Well, we all kind of lined up underneath this awning and stood up and just started pelting the shit out of all of these Penn State fans with these grapes, you know, because it, it was whatever. Whether we had heard about the air horns going off the night before or not, uh, you know, is is something for us to to, to do and uh, for, further prove the point of this ass whooping that was about to ensue. So I, I want to take this in a quick different direction before we dive into the game. And that's, you know, we often hear about fans craziness in different conferences. I used to work in the SEC and. A friend of the show, Brad Bertani, who worked at Tennessee, often tells of a bus ride to LSU when he was at Tennessee and about a 90-year-old grandmother who would always flip off the bird, give the middle finger to the Tennessee team. Any stories of fans' craziness during your careers at Ohio State? I mean, you don't have to specifically say the venue and things like that, but I mean, I'm sure some fans can get out of line. Do you guys remember any of this stuff? Any fans just, you know being crazy and you're like man I, if i wasn't playing football i might have to go after these guys i remember nebraska when we went there and had that awful loss um they were so nice it was weird like, I was, you know we're, we're driving it and now granted we're used to getting like eggs thrown on our bus and all that sure. other crap you know we're driving in and everybody's like oh that's you know because we got the ohio state on the side and they're like oh hi like they're like waving and like, yeah. doing all this stuff and we're like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh, obviously we lost so shit maybe there is more to it but um you know that, that's probably the one weird fan story everything else is pretty much a, what you would expect so yeah. going through at penn state though i don't know if you remember this but they you would have to walk through like the concourse from oh, yeah. the locker room to the field mm-hmm. and so they would put up the portable fences and then they would have a tarp on the fence so like people couldn't like throw stuff through it or like poke through it or whatever mm-hmm. but the fans and it was like lined with security guards the fans would be shaking the fence mm-hmm. like you're walking through and you feel like you're a caged animal and i mean that only hyped me up i'm like hell yeah, yeah let's go like, yeah no, but, i was pushing people back on the other yeah, side yeah that's of that's what we yeah. were doing that's really <laughs> what was going on no, we were ready to go. <laughs> yeah, every time we, we went there like that's that's not a good idea for a team like no, us like no we were ready know, we come out like some caged animals like like yeah. josh said like yeah, that's how you want to treat us that's what you're gonna get game y'all want to play yeah all right bet before we carry on a quick word to potential advertisers we're looking to get your spot in our show glory days podcast can help you reach fans that want what you're selling and not just ohio state fans but college football fans around the country that's right and there's a variety of ways that you guys can advertise with us just ask and we'll help you find what you need and look if you don't know what you want to do we can even help you create your own commercial if you'd like to become a Glory Days partner, drop us a line at info at glorydays.media. That's info at glorydays.media. Well, let's get to the game. Setting the scene, it's 
the number 13 ranked Ohio State Buckeyes at five and one and an 11 and a half point favorite over an unranked four and two Penn State team. It's an eight o'clock kickoff. The stadium's packed. You got 108,000 fans. The game's nationally televised on ABC ESPN. I know we talked about it a minute ago, but was the atmosphere what you expected when you got down there on the field for pregame with the fans? I mean, was it as crazy as you thought it would be? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it def- they don't disappoint. I'll put it to you. They way. don't disappoint. Uh, <laughs> it yeah. was nuts. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, right, like, like we were just talking about, it feeds into how we play. Um, you know, like we love to be able to go out and upset that type of environment, um, you know, because we are the baddest cats in town when we're rolling in right so you know we take that attitude and you know we bring it to the field but nonetheless right that doesn't mean that you know my vibe my visor shaking on my uh on on my uh uh, face mask on my helmet was it not happening right i mean maybe it's double negative who knows but um you know that definitely was still happening um so the noise is that crazy that is crazy the noise is that crazy for sure wow so my parents described actually speaking of that um they had the parent section for the visiting team like way up top yeah like and they said they could feel the stadium mm-hmm. the suspension of the stadium and they could feel it kind of like you know wobbling yeah, yeah. And, wow. you know it's just like yeah. describing that scene is that's how active the stadium is and, and to evan's point like as players you feel a little bit of the vibration down there on the field too like you you can't hear so yeah. you're covering up your ears. Like if you ever see that, like guys yeah. are trying to talk to each other and like you, all the sounds coming in, you want to just come in one way. It's nuts. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's a hell of a scene, man. And, and they got a beautiful feel too. My well, dad calls it the erector set. Cause it's like one level is like from 19 whenever the fuck. <laughs> and then from there, <laughs> just it's keep just building like all of the renovations. And that's yeah. what causes the wobbliness. Well, Joshua, I mean, your parents saw you have a hell of a game and we'll get into that into a second. Um, but the first two quarters, OSU storms out to a 17-0 lead, continuing a trend of very fast starts. Zeke Elliott scores on a 10-yard TD run. Sean Nuremberger connects on a 49-yard field goal. And Jeff Hireman has a one-yard touchdown reception from JT. The halftime score is 17-0. Not expecting you to remember everything, but do you remember how you guys were feeling going into the halftime leading 17 nothing in a hostile environment like Penn State. Oh, we were feeling good, man. Yeah. I mean, we were rolling. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, like, you know, again, we're feeding off that energy offensively. We we came out and we, you know, we answered the bell, right? You know, they're going to start doing some weird stuff to try to throw us off our rocker, trying to match what Virginia Tech did. Let's protect it up and let's still execute, right? At this point, we were running the football pretty darn well. Um, you know, so we were able to put some hands on guys and and, and move them down the field. So at this point, right, you know, we're like it's about to be easy, right? Maryland, you know, kind of Rutgers type of situation. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'd say that slight, like, you know, taking the pinky toe off of that throttle a little bit was what was what allowed the second half to happen. Right. Well, and it, right before the halftime comes, JT sprains his knee. He doesn't come out of the game. And in his book, Urban Meyer talks about this on page 150. He says, we were up 17 nothing at halftime, and when Coach Mick and our team doctors told me that JT had suffered a second-degree MCL, medial collateral ligament sprain in his knee, on the last play of the half, and he might not be able to continue depending on his pain threshold. Mick and I went over to talk to JT and tell him what the doctor said, and the conversation didn't get very far. There's no way I'm coming out of this game, he said. I'm good, coach. There's no way I'm letting my teammates down. I'm going to go out there and win this game. 
Now, we've gone through seven games with him as the starter. Approximately when do you see his leadership take hold of this team? Because we've heard of the legendary speeches that he gave sometimes before games. Evan and Joshua, both of you, when do you see JT kind of emerge as this mythical leader we hear him as? Hmm. Man, oh man. It's got to be that game. I mean, for me, like, you know, I obviously started to see it before then, you know, if, if that one hadn't been so, you know, heroic, right. I, I could have said it was, you know, a, a couple games before the maturity yep. that he had in the Rutgers game or whatever, but that one to have so much um, physical adverse, personal adversity, but to still know that like, Hey, you know, again, this whole thing that we've been preaching, my job is important because I got other guys around me depending on me to do it. Um, in JT's standpoint, he's thinking about, well, shit, my memory is, um, you know, still pretty good on what the beginning of the year looked like and all the progress that we've had since. And I led a lot of that, right, mm -hmm. vocally and physically. So um, for me to watch him swallow that and say to hell with it, right, you know, um, Ev or Devin or Zeke or Jeff or you know, Nick or uh, – Whoever the heck, you know, we're looking at, guys, it's time to move the rock. And to hell with what's wrong with me, you know, we got to do it. Yeah. And to, to watch him do that, it was it was super impressive. And, and it was that next leadership step, uh, you know, at least uh, that I saw. Joshua, yeah, I, I always yeah, saw it. Say. So I always saw it out of him. Um, but this was the game where he, I think he let the world know who he was as a leader. Um, and he confirmed all of our thoughts, I guess, as a team, because, you know, Evan said it like you could look back in different games and be like, shit, man, this guy's different, man. He's got he's there's something different about him. Yeah. Um, and, and like, you know, there there are certain guys and especially as me and Evan being leaders ourselves, like there there are very few people that we would follow. And he was right. a guy where I'm like, nah, he's whatever he's too. doing. Yeah. 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 It's like, whatever he's doing, he's it, like, it, something I probably need to be doing too. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, so. Now, JT's living right. So JT's <laughs> doing it. We're good. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think this game was where it was on full display uh, for all of us to really take in. But it's it wasn't a surprise whatsoever, uh, the leadership that he showed. I think a lot of Buckeye fans – have envisioned would love to see him come back as a coach do you guys ever see him as a coach possibly given his leadership maybe i mean well, it, it, it no pressure be on there. Him. yeah yeah, and yeah. It, it's got to be there right yeah how i can um you get both right after you've gone there and done it right you yeah. get the oh shit well I, I can give so much knowledge and i can really develop some guys and i can really um you know come back and you know hopefully compete for a championship just in a different role sure um but you also get some who are the opposite right hell i mean i'm a coach's kid right so <laughs> you know I'm, I'm definitely not racing over to he said know, i ain't doing State it university <laughs> to go try to get the ga or yeah. whatever the heck they call it in college job right <laughs> um i know what kind of hours and boys work i'm good yeah. you had <laughs> enough ramen on saturday yeah you've had enough ramen noodles oh man what <laughs> it, 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 and that's even if you have time to do that right you know, sleeping next to right. the copy machine yeah you know i, I got a i got a bunch of stories of guy ga is back there sleeping next to the copy machine during camp oh, man. and all that other stuff so i'll tell yeah. you what coach fickle <laughs> was he might he might have been the nicest coach because he had rga um an inflatable bed in the meeting room so he didn't have to sleep <laughs> next to the copier on the couch in the there locker room go. There like that go. boy had a nice little inflatable mattress, but he knew exactly where he was yeah. supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it's a weighing of the world, right? Yeah. Where, where you where you want to go, what you want to do, type of deal. Right. 
Third quarter, uh, one minute into the third quarter, JT's pass is intercepted. It's returned for a touchdown. Back and forth during the third quarter, but at the end, it's 17-7 Ohio State. And in the fourth quarter early, uh, Penn State scores on a 24-yard touchdown pass from Christian Hackenberg. It's 17-14 Ohio State. Again, some back and forth, but with nine seconds left, Penn State kicks a 31-yard field goal to send it into overtime. Um. I want to ask both of you, because they put such a premium, it sounds like Coach Meyer and Coach Marotti put so much premium on training in the offseason, preparing you for this. Mm-hmm. Coach Marotti says, chaos, confusion, and conflict. Our players are going to experience it on the field. It's our responsibility to train them to learn how to deal with it and rise above it. When you're up 17 nothing, and then you're going into overtime in a hostile environment, how does your training help here? I mean, honestly, for me, I think this is the easiest way to answer it. Like, I wasn't worried at all. Um, You know, I don't know about you guys, Josh, but like we knew that we were a better like chess piece wise. We were a better offense than their defense. Right. So, yeah, backs against Mm -hmm. the wall. Okay, yeah. Time to do your job. Well, shit. We've had the situations in the offseason or in practice, like Coach Mick was talking about, where we could rely on our training. So now is just time to go do that. Um, you know, again, we just took the field with that confidence um, and, and we did with pretty much whoever we played and the result spoke for itself. You know, play one, Zeke pops one, you know, JT pops one. You know, the next time you, you look up, we're in the end zone, um, you know, and, and then we get to get the ball back again and ride that same momentum and do it again into the second overtime. So, um, you know, it, it's just it's about mentality and, you know, um, you know, how you compete in stressful uh, situations. And those were the situations that we all craved. That, that mentality thing you said, I think, becomes the big one because, like, as a defense, we could sit there and say, man, fuck, we blew a big lead, man. Like, mm-hmm. we, we had them right where we wanted them. We blew a big lead. Now we're going to overtime. I don't know what's going to happen. Or you can say, all right, well, you know, the game's over. Like, let's play overtime. Yeah. Score 0-0 zero, zero at this point. Like, let's, let's yeah. make sure that we can do what we got to do to ensure a win. Well, let me play two different scenarios here for you. Um, Penn State gets the ball first in the overtime. They score on a one-yard run. They lead 24-17. Evan, I don't expect you to remember everything that was said, but mentality-wise, what are you and your teammates saying as you're running out on the field down 24-17? I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, let's effing do this, right? Right. um, What we were all doing is we were resorting back on our training and taking a very simple approach to the field. Put some hands on some guys, fucking move people and let's get the ball in the end zone right and at the end of the day we were really good at doing those three things and that's what we were able to do right like you know again the mentality or the play or the specific plays i can't tell you um off the top of my head but you know it's that mentality right like whatever happened in the third and fourth quarter offensively doesn't matter anymore because at the end of the day we still got to get a win in this thing and this is the situation we got ourselves in so you know, we're, we're good competing, you know, this tired, we're good competing this um, anxious or whatever. We've done it already. Um, you know, whether it was running that gasser in spring ball or right now here in this game. So, um, you know, I, I just think that it was a moment that we were all ready for and ready to compete in and, you know, taking that field and, you know, quiet in the crowd. I mean, hell, I remember there's a picture right afterwards of a couple of guys, but me specifically looking up in the student section, giving them one of these, right? <laughs> a little, little, little shush sign because it was like, you know, come on, we're going to work and y'all sure. can see what's happening. And boy, did you guys, um, you get the ball, JT Barrett scores on a five yard run. It's tied 24 all. 
And then overtime rules say that you get the ball again, and JT mm-hmm. again scores on a four-yard run. So that's two touchdowns with a sprained knee. And that one was the last one was the most impressive, right? Right. That was the the dog pile where he and the rest of the guys kind of pushed him in. Yeah, that was nuts on a sprained knee. Yeah. And and he was interviewed afterward. He said he was gonna he go he was quoted as saying, "I was gonna do whatever I had to do to get into the end zone." So at that point, OSU leads 31-24. I'm going to flip it over to you, Joshua, for two questions. First of all, when you're leading 31-24 and the defense is going out there, same question as I said to Evan earlier. Not expecting you to remember everything that was said, but what is the gist of maybe you're saying to your teammates when you're leading 31-24 in a hostile environment and if you stop them, it's over? Yeah, the essence of that conversation is we got to tighten the fuck up and end this game. <laughs> you know, like the, the onus is on us. If we, yeah. if we get the stop here, the game is over, period. Sure. So the game does end on a fourth and five sack of Christian Hackenberg by Joey Bosa. But Joshua, you had a key play here. Do you want to describe it? There's a, I can read what Coach Meyer said, but I think it would be better if you kind of give us your description of the play as it happened. Yeah, so um, essentially it was fourth, like you said, fourth down play. Um, we knew it was going to be pass. We knew the down and distance that they were in, they were likely to – um, you know, it was going to be a, a shorter developing concept. Want to get the ball of the quarterback's hands, probably look to the flats, you know, just something easy pitch and catch. Uh, we were in a three buzz concept. So, um, you know, we've got flat defenders buzzing the flat is, is why it's called buzz. It's a three deep shell, um, you know, just a zone coverage. And we've got our, our defensive line rushing. Uh, but the way that we ran it, I was lined up on the line of scrimmage outside of Joey Bosa to start to give that illusion that I might be rushing like we were doing a blitz. Um, And so on the snap of the ball, my job was to freeze the tackle, kind of show my hands, take a step like I'm going upfield, and then drop and buzz underneath the flat kind of receiver so I could be in that window, right in that line where the quarterback would throw it. So if he throws it to me, to my direction is going to be an interception. What that does is it allows Joey to have a one-on-one against a guard who is a fucking dog. The guard <laughs> looks down toward Michael Bennett, which again, if if I am, I don't know if if I'm if I'm if I'm the offensive coordinator, I don't know what what I have to do, but my protection says don't worry about hand help for Michael Bennett. Block. 97 block 97 yeah that's the guy who's who's gonna be the all pro defensive end one day block him um and they didn't so the tackle fans out to me like we designed it to be so that creates space for joey like i said the guard is given some inside help to block michael bennett and and it's joey one-on-one on the guard he's able to blow by and then he gets right in the lap of the running back which Evan will tell you. I don't know if there's <laughs> there if there's any protection that's designed Never. for a running back to have to block uh, a defensive yeah. the the best defensive lineman. It doesn't exist because we sure. we would try I've to almost s- ever seen. Yes. We we yeah. we would try to scheme to get that protection. Like we would try to show different looks so they would mess it up and we would get that and it just it doesn't <laughs> happen. Um, yeah. And and it it went just as we wanted. Like I said, tackle fan toward me. I wasn't there. Joey was able to get off his little one on one. He's in the lap of the running back all the while. Hackenberg is absolutely looking my way. He wants to throw to the receiver that's in the flat that I'm defending. And I, I take that that line away. I'm, I'm sitting right there in that that line of sight. And he knows he can't make that pass. And he has to, you know, sit there and he's jacking the ball off. And next thing you know, mm-hmm. Joey's running a running back right into him and the game's over. 
That was awesome. But I don't want to gloss over the fact that you had 18 tackles in that game. Yeah. Hell of a game. I mean, <laughs> seriously, is that the best game you think you've ever played? Uh, Stat-wise, for sure. Stat-wise, okay. that was the, the game of my career. Um, you know, like you said, 18 tackles. I feel like that that play at the end of the game, even though it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, was critical in execution just to being able to end the game the the, the way that we did. Um, and for me, I you know, I ended up being a, a big stat guy. It was never about chasing stats. It was it was literally like I'd rather have more plays like we had on that last play of the game than mm. all of the tackles because that meant that right. I did my job and that allowed right. Joey to go out there and be the hero, and that was cool. I mean, the defense in and of itself that night, these, these are amazing statistics. You rack up from a defense perspective, 10 and a half tackles for a loss, five sacks, two picks, a forced fumble, and you give up a half a yard per rushing attempt. That's yeah, the amazing. Half yard, the half <laughs> yard per rushing attempt, that's, that's what gets me excited. Like That's yeah, where sure. I start to get fucking fired up because... It's when when you're, it, it is when you're a defense that is like you hang your hat on that kind of stuff is we're tough we're we're better than them at the point of attack they cannot run the the football on us like and, and if anything else it, it means that you, you were just beating the piss out of their offensive line their running backs couldn't get any space to run and it, I mean that's 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 where you start fundamentally is a good run defense I mean I thought you were gonna start bitching about the fact you gave you gave up a half a yard. I mean that's unbelievable. Um, well, trust me, there's probably a coach in our uh, in, in our repertoire that probably was uh, mad or something. Yeah, Luke that's some critical eye as to Luke to come Fickle in with. Is probably sitting back there looking for a reason to be mad yeah. at us. He's like a half yard, like ah. He's like, coach, you gotta let us have that. Closing up on Penn State on the offensive side, Zeke rushes for 109 yards and one touchdown. Mm-hmm. He gained every one of those yards. And a testament to how tough this game was, Jeff Hireman leads the team in receptions with three receptions. And he has a touchdown. I don't think it should be overlooked, too. From a fan's perspective, I do remember Cameron Johnson had four punts inside the 20-yard line that game. So from a field position game, he did a great job. I guess the question I want to end up uh, and close the Penn State episode on is, are you guys, and don't get mad at me for asking this question, are you guys feeling like a national title contender now after the Penn State game, after a night game, victory like that? How are you feeling as a team? Are you saying to yourselves, we're ready for that national title? Mm, I don't know, because I'd say for me, that feeling more happened after we played Michigan State. Like When we played Penn State, like, hell yeah, that was a huge win. We played double overtime, but like, you know, we went to overtime with a team that we were kind of better than and we shouldn't have performed as we did in the second half. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a great win and a great test of our resolve. But um, I'd say for me, you know, that, that date came later. Um, yeah, I, I think I've seen a lot of people who have pointed to that game as maybe a little bit of a turning point. And I, I understand why, because it's hard to win in those types of situations. But to Evan's point, like we were we were it's it wasn't close the the talent delta between us and them because they were coming off of uh reduced scholarships and everything else so like their their roster was a little bit depleted and it was the michigan state game for me it was also going on the road and playing minnesota in the damn snow oh and having to get a gritty win for me that says all right like you know we can fun yeah it was i mean like that was a game where we we said like hey we can do it when it comes down to the wire you know they were kicking Mm -hmm. onside kicks the whole deal and we'll you know talk a little bit about that game but i felt like those were two gritty wins for us michigan state was more explosive minnesota was definitely gritty but it showed that we could do it two different ways 
The Glory Days Podcast, Dreams and Nightmares with Joshua Perry and Evan Spencer. Hosted by Chris Caldwell. What's up? This is Joshua here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Glory Days Podcast, Dreams and Nightmares. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter at Glory Days Pod, on Instagram at Glory underscore Days underscore Pod, and like us on Facebook at Glory Days Podcast. Uh, next episode, the other team up north. Curtis was going to give us a damn sermon. That's what we were going to get from him. You know, like we're playing a team. So at the end of the day, they're going to get a couple. <laughs> so it's yeah, about it's about how it. we respond. And the Spartans give the Buckeyes a run for their money. Evan and I will take you through the highs and lows of our first underdog matchup of the year. I'll see you next time.